Hello friends, I'm glad that you found me. My name is Brandon D, or in the social media world, you know me as Mr. Gratitude. I'm so glad that you found me. I love to dive deep and talk about the things that everybody thinks about, but is afraid to talk about. When it comes to life, dating, positivity, motivation, and a little bit of the free thinking mindset, you're in the right place. Go grab yourself a cold drink, grab yourself some snacks, get comfy. Here we go. Hello, friends. I hope you are well. This is going to be the last episode before the holiday. Crazy. I can't believe how fast this year went by. But as promised, tonight's episode is going to be super unique. I've never done anything like this. And a little bit of a disclaimer, if you are sensitive to sexual topics, to sexuality topics, you might not want to listen to tonight's episode. I dive deep into the taboo. I talk about all the things sexual that I can't talk about on content. I'm super excited about this. This opportunity is going to help out the folks that struggle with intimacy or struggle with their sexuality. You won't want to miss tonight. You know what to do. Go get yourself a warm drink or a cold drink. Get comfy. Get by that fireplace if you have one. Here we go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I need you to stop right now. Download this podcast. Subscribe. Spread it to your friends like wildfire. Make sure everyone you know listens to this podcast. Go leave five-star review in iTunes and Spotify because I don't ask you guys for anything, but I do need this. Also, if you're like me, I drink a ton of water. I'm in Arizona. I'm in the hottest spot in the country. I'm in the Phoenix area. You guys see me in my content a lot. I'm pounding water and I'm always staying hydrated. Well, now, thecoldestwater.com. Go check out thecoldestwater.com. Their jugs are amazing. Their jugs will keep your drink colder than anything else out there. They keep it cold for 36 plus hours, and if you're in extreme cold, it will actually keep that drink warm for up to, if not more than 13 hours. What's really cool is if you have been in the pool and you've dropped your jugs before, they sink to the bottom, you got to go to the bottom and pick it up, or maybe you're out on a boat. Maybe you're out on a boat, you drop it out in the lake, in the ocean, and now your jug's gone. You just spent 50, 60, 100 bucks on this jug, and now it's at the bottom of the ocean. Thecoldestwater.com, these jugs actually float, so it's going to help you out. These products are fantastic, you guys. Not only do they have the best jugs on the planet, they also offer ice chest coolers, ice packs, and for my coffee lovers, they even have coffee. Use promo code Mr. Gratitude to receive 10% off your entire order. Thecoldestwater.com. Go check them out. Get that 10% off. Use Mr. Gratitude. And here we go with tonight's episode. All right, friends. Well, as promised, I am super excited about tonight's episode. You know, I'm very respectful when it comes to content. And obviously, I don't want the 
TikToky or the Instagram or the YouTube to pull Mr. Gratitude's content. So I save the taboo for the podcast. Well, tonight I finally get to let loose. I do have a certified sex therapist with me on the show. And I'm sure she's going to correct me if I mess up her name, but Lindsay Walden, and I, I know she's going to correct me. I think I got it right. But with fur <laughs> <laughs> without further ado, friends, Lindsay, please and welcome to the show. Thank you so very much for having me on. I, I do have to sort of joke when I first got on TikTok, it's, I think it's been almost a year. You were one of the first people I found because I do a lot of content around gratitude and I did a search for gratitude and you popped up and I'm like, oh my gosh, Mr. Gratitude, got to follow him. Like, that's awesome. And so I've just sort of followed your content off and on for quite a while. And you had done a video specifically about the topic of sex, but you did it in kind of a high level way. And I was like, well, that is sex therapist approved content right there. And I just made an off comment and you were like, hey, we got to connect. And I'm like, yes, let's do that. But yeah, so I am a licensed professional counselor. I'm a certified sex therapist. I have transitioned to doing a lot of online relationship coaching. And I've been in practice now for almost 15 years, going on 16 and have a slew of things that I work with relationships and couples and individuals on. But it is interesting. People People hear the sex therapy and they're like, yep, let's talk about that. That's what we want to talk about. Let's do that. So I am good to go with it. Right. Well, that is fantastic. And I really appreciate you being here. I know a lot of my audience is going to appreciate you being here as well, because this is the first time we get to dive into this. So I appreciate you. And thank you so much that uh, you found me. I, I love hearing that because gratitude brings abundance. That's what I'm about. So the fact that you found me that way, that's pretty fantastic. So I wanted to bring you on because if you've been following me long enough, you do know that I'm, I'm just one of those dudes. I mean, I'm 41. My sex drive is off the charts. My testosterone is off the charts. I'm proud of that. But I'm also very single. I, I've been single for a couple of years. I've been married. I've been divorced for a long time. And I'm not one of those dudes that abuses his power. I, I sleep alone every night. And, and most, most everybody that's been following me long enough knows I'm very open. I, I talk about this stuff mm -hmm. in content. So that's why you're here, Lindsay. I want to get okay. into the stuff that I can't talk about in content. So mm -hmm. my first question for you is going to be, what got you to where you're at? What got you into this profession? I mean, let's talk about that. Sure, absolutely. And I feel like there's a lot of paths that brought me here. I will say that I think initially it was because I started off my career working as a, as a licensed therapist and I loved working with couples. And almost immediately, I recognized that no matter the, you know, the makeup of the couple, be it, you know, old, young, whatever race, whatever background, whatever, you know, configuration, sex always came up as a really important topic that everyone wanted to talk about. And I found myself at times knowing how to help. And then at other times being like, you know, I need to refer this to someone that's more specialized than me. But then I would find myself reading more about like whatever it is they were talking about and being like, this really interests me. Like it makes my brain just kind of turn on in a way that I'm like, it's like a puzzle and trying to figure out the elements. And I have had couples therapists that tell me, oh, I'm a couples therapist, but I don't talk about sex. And in my mind, I'm like, how the heck? 
Do right. you do one without the other? Like, I don't even understand that. Um, so that's sort of how it got to that point. And I started looking around for what would it take to actually get certified as a sex therapist. I reached out to a number of places, found a postgraduate certification program that I could actually go through. It was like a year and a half long study and just really fell in love with the process. I think as a person, I've always been very non-judgmental, kind of, you know, open-minded to whatever someone enjoys and wants to do with their life. Life, I am like totally on board with that. Right. If you're not hurting yourself or someone else, I'm good with it. Right. And so I think that approach really helped me with various communities of sexual people and people that were asking questions and maybe just needed a soft place to sort of show up and be. Yeah. And that kind of led me down that path. And the more I got into it, the more I loved it. That's, that's fantastic. And I, that, that triggered me to say that is the reason why I chose you, why I asked you to be on the show, because we're on the same wavelength there. I I'm the same way. It's like, if you're happy and it makes you happy and you're not hurting another human being, go for it, go for it. And that's what I mm -hmm. consult my clients on too. So bravo there, because it's true. And it's one of those, it's, it's one of those things that, most people steer clear from. It's like sexuality, mm -hmm. your intimacy is such a huge part of a relationship and people don't realize that. And even me as a Christian, I'm, I'm very Christian. Um, and a lot of people don't know this, but I have a family member. I'm not going to throw her under the bus, but I have a family member um, who's gay and my namesake, mm -hmm. I, I was named after her life partner. A lot of people don't know that, mm -hmm. but yet I grew up in a very Christian conservative household. So if people, people get the wrong idea, mm -hmm. they think just because you're a Christian or you're conservative that you can't be gay. Mm -hmm. And I, I think getting, yeah. getting the mindset, getting people's mindset out of that is really what I want to do is get rid of the stereotypes, get rid of the blanket statements. Mm -hmm. Nobody's hurting you if they're mm -hmm. living their life and they're happy. And that is a big part of what I consult mm -hmm. and what I coach. And that's why I wanted to interview you. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. I do. And I'll even say, I'll, I'll kind of use me as an example in that part of, I think, my going through the sex therapy certification was I had questions. I grew up in a in a very um, sort of don't talk about sex. It's a taboo subject. Don't, you know, don't ask questions. Don't do it. Just kind of keep it on the down low, so to speak. And so I had a lot of questions. I've always been a, but why? But why? But I want to know more. But tell me more. But I don't understand. But I want more info. So I sort of joke on some level that I became a sex therapist to answer my own questions. But in the process of me sort of figuring out myself, I actually did go through a process of coming out and having come from a very small town conservative environment. That was a really scary process for me, especially being, you know, in my early thirties at the time and right. feeling kind of fraudulent as a person, like, how could I not know this about myself? And so I think it, it really is, it's been a process of just kind of figuring out like it's okay to be who you are but I will sometimes have people I had happen the other day somebody messaged me and was like so you're a lesbian how the heck could you help couples or how could you help anybody that's not gay and I'm like well it probably helps that I was married to a man for the better part of like 13 years but that being said I also feel like you know, I understand relationships and at the core That's of all right. sexual experiences, communication and relationship dynamics have to be dealt with and figured out. And I also had the forethought to say, I would like to have a clinical supervisor that's a man because not only are there parts that I don't have that I'm not going to know about if I can't ask very specific pointed questions right. of someone that does, right. but I also feel like it's a good balance. So am I for everyone? No, probably not because not everyone's going to jive kind of like we were talking 
talking about a little bit ago, but that's okay because I feel like the people that do need and want my services, we connect and we are on that wavelength and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's very rare and it's hard to find that because just because you might be in the same field or you, you know, might be an influencer, it doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to work well together. Uh, and for me, I'm kind of outside the box too. And what I do, I get a lot of, because again, being a Christian, I do get some judgmental Christians that come to my content and they're like, Brandon, mm. why, why do you help people? I'm like, what? but they're gay. I'm like, I, that's not my journey. That's not my journey. Like that, that right. I, they need my help. They need my help, period. They're people. Mm -hmm. If Jesus was standing right next to me, I guarantee you Jesus would help them. And that's what I'm here to do. So I really respect that so much like that. It just oh, it makes my heart happy. <laughs> well, I mean, it's true. And if you've been in my content long enough, then, mm -hmm. you know, so I'm going to go yeah. into I'm going to go into a topic that I really wanted to cover. I get this a lot from consulting, from people in comments, you name it. And I don't want to necessarily say it's a fetish, but for me, it's kind of a big okay. deal. Something that I fell, I'm just going to say it. I fell in love with in my early twenties and it's the female ejaculation um, or the, or the negative street term of squirting. So mm -hmm. how much in, in your teachings, how aware are the women that you, um, the turn to you for therapy, how aware are they with their bodies? Are they even in tune with the female ejaculation or a lot of them aware of it? Because up until recent, about the last five, 10 years, a lot of women are not even in tune enough to know that they can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I find that this really runs the gamut, right? There's definitely people that are aware that it's a thing. And then there's other people that even want to argue that it even exists. And so mm -hmm. I always come back to this, you know, the more curious that you are, the more open you are to exploring things and the more kind of calm, cool and collected you are about the process, the more likely you are to experience levels of pleasure that may or may not be possible if you're very anxious about it or if you're very sort of closed off to even the possibility. I've even had some women that show up and say, okay, I think something's wrong with me. We were, we were, you know, having sex and <laughs> I think I peed on my partner yep. and I'm like, okay, well, let's that. for this argument, say that you did, right? Let's just say that that's what happened. Right. Did it feel good? Cause that's going to be where I start. And if it felt good and y'all were both happy with the outcome, does it really matter what we call it? But I do try to educate that although the, the fluid comes from a similar part of the body, there is a difference in how it is excreted and that, you know, even the 100%. chemical makeup of it. And so, you know, to say that every woman can, I, I mean, I would like to believe that that's a truth, but I also don't want to become something where you're holding yourself to a standard that if you can't, that that right. means something's, something's wrong, wrong with you. Right. It just simply might mean you haven't figured out the right mixture of stuff yet, the right positioning, the right toy, the right person, the right whatever. Or it could be that maybe you're you're not, your body doesn't quite operate that way. But that doesn't mean that something is wrong with you if you Correct. can't. But it is it is a very common experience with a lot of misconceptions. Yeah, th there is. And, and I get that a lot too. But Brandon, it's your end. I'm like, look, let me give you a disclaimer. I'm not a doctor, but I can tell you right now, it is not urine. Now, there might be some instances right. during during the process where some urine may leak into that stream, but I'm telling you, there's a chemical th synthesis that takes place during arousal. It is it is a I'll just say phenomenon mm -hmm. that a lot mm -hmm. of a lot of doctors can't explain, but it is not urine. Mm -hmm. And it's a good debate. It's a great debate because mm -hmm. I believe right. my research and studies, it is. It is. It's funny. And I always go back to, does it feel good? Yeah. 
Yeah. And of course it does. Exactly. It's, exactly. And I, I think if it feels good, go with it. Well, for me, I'm going to, I'm going to share a funny story about the topic. Cause I know a lot of the audience will appreciate this. So this was, uh, um, I'm 41 and I think I said that. So, and I bring up age for a reason because this happened okay. in the early two thousands. And if you remember in the early 2000s, you had to go to Best Buy or Target and buy the little disc that blocked pop-ups. You remember that? So you had to buy these little discs that, yes. blocked, that blocked the pop-ups. Well, it was 2002, because <laughs> I was married, 2002, and I was on the internet and I didn't look at mm-hmm. sites or anything like that. I don't believe in porn. I'm not a huge fan of pornography. It just doesn't do much mm-hmm. for me. Anyway, I'm, t- I'm typing up on the computer and all of a sudden this, this porn site pop-up comes up and I'm like, I know my wife isn't looking at porn. What is going on? So, <laughs> and it was a female spraying fluid and I'm like, there's no way this is real. There's no way this is real. And right. I was 20, I think I was 21, 22 at the time. And so from that moment, okay. that's when I was like, okay, I got to figure out what this is. And that's how I got in tune mm-hmm. and figured out what the female ejaculation is. And for me, mm-hmm. it's been my thing because it's, it's a bonding experience. It's a trust experience. If a mm-hmm. woman is going to, and this is my perspective. Um, if a woman is going to allow you to have total control of her body and to trust you to get mm-hmm. to that point, I think that's deep. I think it's deep because a lot of women can't mm-hmm. find the right man to get them to achieve that. More women achieve that solo play mm-hmm. than they do with a man or a, or a woman, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's might've been the, the, uh, the video I commented on with you, you were talking about the importance of, you know, the, the, the full range of experience and kind of making sure everyone has a good time and everyone's enjoying what's going on and that it's not a one-sided experience. And I do think I hear that a lot from people that are like, you know, I think I might enjoy more things if only there was more balance or if it didn't feel like it was all about the other Um, person getting off and I'm just kind of stuck to either do it myself or be by myself. And that is sad for me, for people, because I'm like, I don't, I don't want that for anybody. But I also think sometimes it comes back to, you know, the, the education aspect. I, you, you had alluded to this at the beginning and the way I say it is that, you know, we live in a super hyper-sexualized culture that's like terrified to talk about sex from a pleasure aspect we look at it from a biologic aspect and kind of the you know the procreation aspect but rarely do we sit down and say so what does pleasure look like for you can we talk about that can we find shared common ground to communicate about what our sexual needs are and that that's a missing link in the whole communication aspect 100 percent, 100 percent. it's it's truly disheartening and sad because that's also why we have such a high rate of infidelity and, and cheating mm-hmm. uh, is because that, that fail mm-hmm. that failure to communicate. I perfect example. I brought this up in one of my live sessions is I have couples. Well, let me, let me take a step back. I'll have either the man or the woman that will come to me and say, you know, I'm happily married, but I'm not getting what I need, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, well, no, you're not, you're not happily married then. Because if you're afraid to tell that person that something's missing in your sex life, to me, that's not happily married. You don't trust your person. And if you're shying away from those important topics, that's a problem because somebody would much rather have you respect and honor them and not cheat on them and have a conversation about it and give an opportunity to correct said problem than being betrayed. And it, it is a huge problem. It's, it's, it's horrible. It is. I, 
I, I will even, when I'm working with people, I'm like, okay, so are there things that you're not talking about? And even at the beginning stages of a relationship, people are just like, well, I'm afraid if I tell them this, that, or the other thing, they're not going to want to be with me. And I'm like, then they don't want to be with you. Yep. Like if you can't be truthfully, truthfully honest and, and authentic about who you are, then that's a problem, you know? And I'm not saying that that means it can't be worked on, but it does create barriers to connection. And yep. so a lot of my work is spent, you know, people like, oh, you're a sex therapist. What do you do? I get people to talk about sex. I get to talk about their pleasure and their wants and their desires. I help them develop, you know, a comfort level with having these conversations that maybe they've either wanted to have and never have, or didn't even know they could have and need to have. Yeah. It's, it, it's mind blowing the human element of how beautiful we are, but yet so afraid of being in that beauty. And we're going to use our, the mm -hmm. sexuality topic as one. And, and I want your opinion on this. So for me on the outside, mm -hmm. looking in my clients, people I talk to people, I consult that might have an idea or might think that they're gay. They, their biggest mm -hmm. concern is validation and judgment. And I try and coach them and teach them. You don't need mm -hmm. it. Whether it's your family, whether it's mm -hmm. a friend, if you, mm -hmm. and we're going to go back to it. I'm going to keep going back and back and back is, are you happy? I ask them and they say, yes, I'm happy. Yep. Are you confident in your decision? Do you feel that you are gay? Yes. Okay. Well then what, what's the big deal? Like you are in a grown right. adult, your, you, your family is going to be, they better be your family because I know dang good and well for me, I have kids, you know, if one of my babies came to me, they're my babies. I may not agree with that, that mm -hmm. uh, opportunity that they're having or the lifestyle, whatever it might be, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to love mm -hmm. my babies any less. And that's what I try and coach and teach on. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's sort of that, you know, to look at someone else and say your experience is wrong or invalid or inauthentic is not only incredibly judgmental, but it's a reflection of the person giving that judgment also, Amen. and rather than the person who's being judged. And that that's a tough piece. You know, I'm a huge believer in the concept of the four agreements and that one of recognizing that when we take things personally, we're emotionally on the hook for someone else's stuff. And the minute we stop taking it personally and stop emotionally reacting to whatever it is is they're throwing at us, there's a certain freedom that comes from that. And, you know, I, I do think that we tend to want to label things. And, you know, we, as people, we try to understand things through the lens of what we know. And if we try to look at someone else's experience and it doesn't look like our own, sometimes it's tough to really imagine what that is like or what their experience is. And so therefore we invalidate it rather than recognizing these things don't have to be mutually exclusive where one is valid and the other is invalid. They can both be valid, just different. Right. And I think that's helpful sometimes to reset. So I, I know I asked you before we started to record here, but I am curious since we're, you know, on this topic of, you know, sexuality, straight, mm -hmm. gay, whatever it might be, you had mentioned before mm -hmm. that you were married to a man. Now, what point in your life mm -hmm. did you realize um, your attraction to women or getting in tune with that? And I'm asking you that question because I know I have somebody listening, maybe multiple people listening that are torn. They don't know what to do. If, Hey, am I having this? Am I having that? So I wanted to ask you on the show, go ahead and tell me that if you, uh, if you want to roll with that one. 
Absolutely. I will start by saying that I was seven years old when I remember finding a friend's older sister attractive. And I didn't have a concept that that was wrong or bad by anyone's standards. And I remember making some comment that was not well received. And it's almost like I gave myself an internal message at that moment. Okay, don't go there. Don't say that. Don't talk about that. That is not for you. Right. And I pushed it way down. And I went through sort of the motions of, you know, I, I would have a boyfriend friend or I would have, you know, people that I was dating and I always kind of played that game, but it just, it never felt super authentic to me. And then ultimately what happened is I was in a relatively, well, not relatively, it was, it was an abusive relationship. And I think a lot of it might've actually been because I wasn't interested in certain elements of what that relationship wanted and it ultimately turned violent. And for me, I got away from that. And then I met my ex-husband. I'm kind of simplifying the story because there's a lot more to it, but just to kind of, for, for the sake of time at this moment, um, ultimately met my ex-husband and was able to, you know, really connect with him on a friendship level. And it's funny because we, we really are compatible people, except for the sexual element of things. Yeah. Even when I, when we were apart and I was on a dating website wanting to try and find someone that was female to, you know, connect with, I didn't know how to set my, um, parameters to say only show me women and he and I rematched to one another we were like 95% compatible which we got a good kick out of so I joke you know that it's like he's my best friend and to this day we still talk almost every day but there was an element where I was trying to force myself to be something I wasn't and when I was when we were able to split and I kind of walked away from that situation I went on this sort of quest, if you will, to decide, am I really gay or do I just, have I not found the right guy yet? Because so many people will say that to you. And I went on a lot of, a lot of first dates that did not end with this, that did not have a second date and got to a point where I'm like, I'm just not going to date anybody. This is miserable. I don't like this. I don't want to date anybody. This is terrible. Then I I started doing Oh, I know, right? So I started um, doing radio, met my best friend, who's actually my my podcast co-host and producer, and felt like an instant just comfortability, like the brother I never had kind of situation. And I, I came out to him and I was like, you may think I'm crazy, but I actually think I want to date women. And I don't have any idea how to do that. At, at the time, I was like 31, I think. I was like, I have no idea how to even go about this process. I'm terrified, but I also don't feel like I can continue living what feels incongruent to me. And so he became my wing person and he would like go with me to events and he would try to help me out and he would commiserate with me about women's stories. And, you know, it it just, it became this interesting journey. And, you know, it, it, the minute I said it out loud, there was nothing that had ever felt truer in my entire life. But up until that point, it was very much a struggle for me to figure out. And I think I was also very worried about, you're a sex therapist, you help people figure this out and you can't figure yourself out. What's wrong with you? You know, that kind of thing. But, you know, since then it was an interesting journey of, of dating women and trying to figure out what that was going to be like. But um, almost five years ago, I met my now wife and we, we just really hit it off and kind of started building a life together. And and, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. Well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, for me, it's a great story, by the way. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, <laughs> You're for, welcome. For me, ever since I was a little boy, I've just always loved women, loved women. I could never mm-hmm. imagine myself being gay for anything. 
mm-hmm. as a little boy. Yeah, I was in kindergarten. I think it was kindergarten or first grade. And my poor mom, my mom was a nurse. And uh, my poor mom got a phone call. Brandon's, Brandon's on the side of the school kissing girls. And, and you know, I was what, six years? Yeah. <laughs> right and so growing up I've just always been just really attracted to women I've, I've been straight my whole life but the reason why I say that is because for some reason and then I really think it's because I have such an open mind and an open heart I get hit on by mm-hmm. more gay men than I can count mm-hmm. and it's it's hilarious and it, it's, it's flattering mm-hmm. at the same time mm-hmm. but I'm always like why are you hitting on me like, why are you hitting them? And I always mm-hmm. get that. It's like, you know what, Brandon, I, I don't know what it is about you. You mm-hmm. just have this aura. You're very open. And I was like, I knew it. I knew it. And to me, I get a kick out of it. I get a kick out of it and I have fun with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, the gift of sexuality is so amazing. Set aside the, I don't like religion. I'm, I'm spiritual. I don't like religion. I don't care what religion says about it, mm-hmm. but it is a gift. It is a gift. And mm-hmm. One thing I always teach tying into that is, are you familiar with soul ties? Um, I've heard the concept. I don't know that I've read much about it. It's, it's a big deal. But for I will. Me. It's yeah. It's, it's something that I coach on because sex is never just sex. You know, even if, even if somebody doesn't mm-hmm. believe in a biblical God, you have, it's a physics level. Mm-hmm. It goes down to quantum physics to where mm-hmm. our hearts omit a frequency. And when you are intimate mm-hmm. with somebody, no matter what your sexuality is, you take pieces of their soul. You take fragments of their conscious mm. being. And okay. that yeah, is, yeah yeah. The, yeah, yeah. So that is the number one reason when somebody can't get over something, they still have a soul tie. It's a big deal. And mm-hmm. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to see if you've, you've ever entered that realm or heard of that. And it, uh, it's very interesting. I'm going to have to read more about this. I always, I always like to read about different approaches to things and understandings of things, but it, it does sound similar to some ideas that I've read about just this idea that, you know, once you're, once you're intimately connected with someone, you sort of a different level of connection that exists in that realm versus just a friendship or something like that. Yeah. I totally get that. And I have to say the whole, like being hit on by, by gay men, Um, What's interesting about that is I have clients sometimes that will ask, like they will make an appointment to say, I get hit on by gay men all the time. Does that mean I'm gay? And I think really what it comes down to is the, um, the comfort level that you have, the confidence and the, and the non-judgmental approach that you have to life. Because I think there are a lot of gay men that do feel like, you know, it's almost not safe to be around heterosexual men or they feel judged or they feel singled out or they feel, you know, almost like uh, straight men are afraid of them. You know, like you're going to make me gay. And I think there's something comforting about knowing that you're like a safe guy, you know, like you're a safe man that they're not going to feel threatened by. And that because you are so confident in your sexuality and you know who you are, I mean, confidence shows up in that assured way. So I think there's a lot of reasons that that happens. And I, and I feel like I've had clients over the years that, you know, have that experience and like, what does this mean about me? You know? Yeah. And you, you hit the nail on the head. I, firmly believe that as well. It's very interesting. There is a lot of psyche that plays into the the sexuality part as well. And when you can figure out and put the two and two together, it helps every relationship. Um, I'm sure you've experienced, how long do you say you've been, you've been doing this, Lindsay? So I have been working uh, as a couples therapist since, uh, let's see, almost, almost six,
So I have actually been a therapist now for almost 16 years. I have added the sex therapy element in. I mean, although I had always kind of touched on that with the couple's work, I got the full certification in 2011 and 2012. So I have been in this realm of helping others for almost 16 years now. That's uh, it's quite a bit of time. Yeah, I've been doing consulting since 2007. I got divorced in 2007 and started doing it then little by little. And with the explosion of social media, and especially TikTok, TikTok has just been such a blessing for me. I've done done very well growing on TikTok, and that's where I found you. So hey, you know that's I find the most awesome people on TikTok. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, it's I got to be honest; it's my happy place. Yeah, there's there's a lot of positivity. It's definitely. Oh, uh, there there's a lot of positivity, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, you got the dark side of TikTok too. And uh, that's what's their algorithms just drive me bonkers. It's really hard to figure out their algorithms. I'm going to have to agree with you. There's definitely those weird, like, you know, I'll do a series on some relationship topic or some therapy topic. And let's say it's got four or five parts. The first one may get no traction. The second one, which doesn't make sense. If you don't watch the first one gets like a hundred thousand views and people are like, I don't understand. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, go back and watch the first video. I don't know why the algorithm only showed you the second one. I'm not sure. I have no answer. Just go do it. (laughs) Well, it's, it's, this is going to segue into what I wanted the next topic I want to get into. So this is perfect. It's bizarre to me that the most Mm -hmm. simple, and I'll just say it, the most dumb things are the things for me that have went the, mo- the most viral. Um, one of my most mm-hmm. viral videos was about, I had to call it sex on the cycle because I didn't want uh, TikTok to pull it, but I'm a big fan of having sex when it's that time of the month. I'm a huge fan. Okay. I-, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a big mm-hmm. deal. Well, I did content on it. It was very professional. I, I said something to the fact of, Hey, I've been thinking about this. You know, if you're at risk, don't do it. But a lot of a lot of women, it's their you know their their drives higher. I just I went off on it and it blew up. I had like mm-hmm. 1.2 million views, and so yeah. I'm like, how in the world wow. did that go super viral? Mm-hmm. All I was talking about was having mm-hmm. intimacy when it's that time of the month. So, <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, what is your? It know, it is very interesting. When you do you get a lot of couples that come in with that as a topic or they ask about it? Because there's a lot of men, I'll be honest mm-hmm. with you. I would say 80% of the men that I coach, that I consult, that mm-hmm. I mentor, they don't like it. They think they get grossed out. So mm-hmm. what is your experience when you've you know consulted with couples on that? It's so interesting. I have run like the full spectrum on this. I have definitely worked with a lot of women that will that will uh, kind of second what you're saying that their drive is higher during that time of the month. Now, if it's not true for everyone, because there are some women that if they aren't feeling well, or, you know, if, if they have a lot of complications, or maybe they just feel kind of gross themselves, because I've heard women say that, which it's a natural process, I try to educate around that. But if those are the feelings that are starting then we, we talk about like, are there some ways to mitigate those things, you know, be it in the shower or, you know, with a towel down or, you know, trying to come up with ways to maybe not feel as gross or as messy. But yeah, I've also, I, I would say I've worked with a lot of men more so than women that are like, oh, that's gross. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to know about it. I don't even want to know that they do that. And I will say that TikTok has taught me that there is a lot of misconceptions about female menstruation oh, yeah. and what men do not understand, which is a bit 
shocking on some level, even though I've done this work for as long as I have to go, oh boy, we still have some work to do in the education realm because there are some lot of misconceptions about it. Um, the biggest one that I hear, and I'm glad you said, you know, like if, if you're safe and it's not a risk because there are women and men both that'll say, oh yeah, we only have sex during her period because she can't get pregnant. Oh boy, oh. nope. Yep. That, let, let's, let's review reverse that thinking, you know, so sometimes there is, um, you know, education around it. Other times it's about trying to mitigate risk or have strategies for, you know, cleanliness, if that's a concern, but there's yeah. also a lot of men that, that say what you're saying. They're like, no, I love it. Like, let's do it, man. Let's bring it on. You know? So I, I think, again, it goes back to are both people comfortable with the arrangement? Does everybody, you know, feel like their needs are being met? And if the answer to those two questions are yes, I'm, I am all for it. Well, go, going back to that as well is the, you know, the STD factor. If, if both partners aren't at risk, but a lot of people don't understand either. Again, I always say I'm not a doctor, but I do educate myself. <laughs> it's actually the safest in regards to cleanliness. It is the cleanest time down there because that's when, you know, the, the vaginal canal is getting flushed and getting cleaned out. And a lot of people mm -hmm. don't think about that either. I'm like, well, if you're grossed out by regular vaginal fluid, why would you be grossed out by that when it's cleaner? then the vaginal fluid, like, where's your thought process, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of that too goes back to, you know, we don't have a lot of good comprehensive sex education no. where everyone is being taught the same information. And I think because of that, there's a lot of taboos and there's a lot of misconceptions and fear that, you know, kind of cycles around it. And I think anytime we don't understand something, often we respond to it from fear. Yeah. And I think fear is a driver for a lot of those responses of like, either like, oh, that's gross or, oh no, I'm not going to do that. Or I would never do that. And it's like, <laughs> okay, okay, but can you really speak to the full, you know, the full picture if you don't know all the details, you right. know? Right. Well, there's, there's some other taboo things. Um, we'll get into this one because this is an important one. And whenever I try and teach on these aspects, people either completely retract because mm -hmm. they're like, oh, I, well, I like that. You just scared me. And that is anal. Um, now, now me mm -hmm. personally as a man, there are certain times that I do enjoy that. But here's what I always consult mm -hmm. and coach on is wearing a condom with anal sex. And here's the reason why is because you're so mm -hmm. much more high risk for STIs, for STDs. They don't even have to mm -hmm. have an STD, but you've got E. coli, you've got certain things in there mm -hmm. that can give you a urinary mm -hmm. tract infection. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't think about right. that. They don't think about it. And mm -hmm. that's important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, with, with, with any sex, I want everyone to be, you know, safe. And I think sometimes because they think, you know, the, the primary reason a lot of people will tell you they wear a condom is to not get someone pregnant. And when you're imagining anal sex, you're like, oh, well, I can't get them pregnant that way. So there's no risk. And I right. think you're absolutely right that, you know, if, if the only risk you have is, you know, a urinary tract infection, who wants that, you know? Um, and <laughs> I think they're <laughs> like, it's like, do we really want to go down that path? And I think, you know, I'll hear people say things like, oh, well, it's not sexy to wear a condom them or, you know, I have to stop and put it on. And I'm like, could you make it a shared event? Like you put it on each other. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you know, you, maybe, maybe the partner helps you. Maybe there's kissing and fondling involved while you're attaching it. There's all sorts of things you can do. It doesn't have to be clinical and like, you know, very sterile. It's like, you can find ways to still incorporate the enjoyment and be safe at the same time. Absolutely. 
Yeah, but mm -hmm. you know, a lot of folks don't want to hear that because anytime I, uh, early on the mm -hmm. first uh, few months I was on TikTok when I started going pretty viral with some of the mature content, I did something on that mm -hmm. and it didn't, people didn't want to hear it though. Cause I had like yeah. a ton of views, but not many likes. They didn't want to hear it. They don't want to hear the truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get that. And, you know, I think whether it be, you know, mature content or just even sometimes therapy content, there are therapy and coaching content. I'll say there are some people that are really resistant to having anyone else give them a perspective or insight into the reasons they may act and behave the way that they do. And they, they sort of get reactionary to that, which is really interesting. Or if they're told information about something like maybe practicing safe, uh, safe sex, if they weren't already, and then they feel kind of called out. Out, they don't like that either. And so it's sort of difficult information, but I would argue that even if they didn't comment and interact a lot, they still heard the info. So good for you for putting it out there. But, you know, I've, I've learned that too, that sometimes the content I think is going to go really well, like I get crickets, right? And then yeah. I'll do something that I feel like is pretty simple and it's not really that involved. And all of a sudden it's got 60,000 views in like an hour. And I'm like, what just happened exactly? Like, why is that the one that took off and it never fails. It's the ones where I feel like I haven't like done a whole lot to like wear makeup or do anything to make myself up. I'm like, Oh, that's the one everybody's going to see, you know, the one I just did real fast after a session or something. What versus the ones I'm like, let me get in the recording studio. Let me set up my lighting. Like, you know, those are the ones that I'm like, come on, like catch on, come on, let's do this now. It's just, it's kind of funny. It's kind of like a, it's a little bit of a, of a game. <laughs> it, it totally is. It, it definitely is. It's, it trips me out at times and it, you can't figure it out. It's seriously, it's just this code that's, that's really hard to crack. Um, <laughs> so segueing into the next thing, one of the things that I get a lot in my live sessions, I'll have somebody come in that was either in a toxic relationship. They were in a relationship with a narcissist. They're still mm -hmm. trying to heal. And I always advise them mm -hmm. to, you know, get that power back to have that self-love mm -hmm. back at first. But here's the, mm -hmm. here's the sad and disheartening part is from that abuse, they've lost tone. They've lost being in tune with their sexuality, with their drive. What do you mm -hmm. typically, when you have your clients, what do you kind of guide them to, to get them back in tune with having that sexual desire again, with having that sex drive mm -hmm. again? Now, I know there are some natural things that we can't you know, really correct, but mm -hmm. what do you say in a situation like that? So it really does come back to the concept of self-love and self-pleasure sometimes and also self-care sort of all wrapped into one and it's this idea of almost if you've been in a really So self-pleasure and sort of relearning what it is that you want from a sexual perspective. If you have basically been in a toxic relationship where everything from a sexual perspective was based on someone else's wants, what they wanted, how they wanted it, when they wanted it, or if it was used as a weapon of some sort where it was used as like against you, that does have an effect on the, the feelings of sexuality and the sexual response. And so a lot of times it does come back to the basics of if you get to decide what you want for your sexual experience, what would that include? What are some things you would want to try? Almost giving self-permission, you know, that says, I don't have to abide by someone else's rules, I get to be the one that decides what this looks like. I am a firm believer that we all have an erotic template. It's sort of that same idea that if I open up Microsoft Word and there's a, a Word document template and I can use that and fill in my details, 
The same is true from a sexual perspective. We all have an erotic template that fills in the details of what sort of makes us tick. And if anybody else has had access to that template and they have made changes that you didn't authorize or that you didn't want them to make, then you have a right to delete that stuff and say, you know what, that's somebody else's stuff. And I don't have to continue attaching that to myself or to what I believe about my sexual experience and my sexual expression. And so a lot of times it is about almost a relearning or a purging of all of that toxic ugh, so that you can bring <laughs> right. back in the elements that you really do want on that erotic template. Right. That, that's a good analogy. I like that. I, I haven't heard that one before. I wanted to ask you because I know I get questions on that um, a lot. So I, mm-hmm. I appreciate you asking that question. We're going to go into, we're about to wrap up here. So I want to go into one last thing and that's okay. really something that you mm-hmm. commented on. And we're going to talk about the pleasure part. Um, what I always try to drive home to my men is, you know, as men, we're very easy to get off. We're very easy to orgasm. We're very easy to please Mm -hmm. as where Mm -hmm. most, I I don't like using blanket statements, but most women are very difficult to please because there's a lot more arousal Mm. points to a woman than a man. So mm-hmm. that goes back to the content I posted mm-hmm. about men. Please make sure that you are not being selfish because not only the fact are you going to give your partner a twisted mindset, but this goes either way, whether you're in a straight relationship or a gay relationship, it's the same thing when it comes to the female body. Um, you are going to potentially give your partner a complex and you don't want to do that. So bring it home again is just make sure that you are really getting in tune um, with your body, not only yourself, uh, but your partner's body as well, because women have so much beauty and so many spots to their body for arousal that you need to explore that. It's part of a relationship. It's a way to get closer to your partner. It's a way to bond, uh, be that person, be that person that's discovered things about her that nobody else has. Now, my men might hate on me and say, well, why aren't you talking about us? Because men, let's be, let's be honest here. We're simple. We don't have those points, you know? So I want to, I wanted uh, you to kind of touch, <laughs> touch base on that for our last little piece here. And we're going to go ahead and uh, r- roll from there, Lindsay. Okay. Sounds good. And I will say one of my favorite comedians, um, he has a bit where he's like, he has a shirt and it says, just touch it with an arrow pointing down. It's <laughs> right, sort of right. the, the simplicity of men, which I find hilarious. Um, but I think you're right. I, I think there's a couple of reasons you know that like men are from mars women are from venus idea that whole concept and the way that it sort of showed up although there may be some elements of that that we don't want some you know fundamental differences in how men and women show up to the sexual experience and what tends to happen in a relationship especially one that's more long-term in its like existence is that it becomes very hyper genitally focused and it becomes kind of robotic where clothes are off we touch genitals that's what we do i touch him i touch her whatever and then we're, we're done. Right. right. And I, I think you're right that there's more of an experience to it than that. And I teach my, my clients about the concept of sensate focus work, which is a masters and Johnson idea from that kind of, they sort of came up with. And it, it's something that a lot of sex therapists use as a way to reincorporate the ideas of pleasure and the senses into the erotic experience, rather than it just being focused on how quickly can one of us get off 
And unfortunately, in a lot of heterosexual dynamics, a lot of the how do we know when sex begins and ends is based on the male response. Totally. It's the man is erect, therefore the man has sex, then the man has an orgasm, then the, the experience is done. over. And <laughs> right. when I when I look at men and I'm like, uh, well, maybe she's not done. And they look at me like I've grown a horn out of my forehead. Totally. And I'm like, there are other body parts that you could use on her or that y'all could come up with some kind of a you know okay maybe we're going to do more foreplay so that there's a likelihood that we're at the same place at the same time on on a schedule sort of in that regard because from a male sexual response there's about a three to five minute window of the average length of time it takes a man to go from the beginning of sexual touching to the orgasmic release for women that same process can take as much as 22 minutes so we already know that there is a huge differential in these things and if we're expecting women to operate the same way as the men do from a sexual response cycle then there's going to be probably a lot of unhappy unpleased people out there. But if we can reset the way we think about it and focus more on, wow, you know, I love it when my partner strokes my neck. That feels amazing. Can we do more of that? Or, you know, a foot massage really puts me in the mood. Okay, great. Let's do that. Like if you start to ask those questions with curiosity and really make it a full experience rather than just focused on the male orgasm, it really opens up a wonder of things. And it sounds like that's what you're trying to educate your people about. Yeah, it it opens up new realms. It opens up more of a bond and a trust. And it might even save your relationship or at least Mm -hmm. the sexual side of your relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. it's vastly, vastly important. So I wanted to make Mm -hmm. sure that we, we touched on that and good, good explanation there. So absolutely. I, I'm very passionate about it. I hear you. Well, you have to be, I think that we live in a very instant gratifying culture and it ties into sex too. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. we like to call them the F boys and the F girls that are out there. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, we got to get over that. Sex is such a beautiful, amazing Mm -hmm. tool and amazing gift. And if more people would just even like right now, you and I are total strangers, open, honest conversation about it, that can heal sexual relationships. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. I'm, I'm very grateful for this conversation because I think anytime we can put positive sexual info into the world and just sort of normalize that it is okay to seek pleasure. It is okay to connect with your partner. It is okay to seek your sexual gratification in ways that are pleasing to you. And going back to that, if you're not hurting yourself or someone else, then I am like, go for it, you know, just all in. Well, Lindsay, I really, really appreciate you being on the show. I always give my guests the last couple minutes to, I just like to use the term plug themselves. So if you want to go ahead and, uh, and, and we'll just say it, plug yourself on how somebody can connect with you, where they can find you at. Um, if you have any charity work that you're doing currently, since we are in the holidays, the floor is yours, my friend. Thank you so much. And I really am grateful for this experience. I'm glad we connected and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how we can connect in the future, but I really do appreciate this opportunity. Um, if anybody listening does want to connect with me, my website, lindsaywalden.com 
is probably the best place to go to find all of the things. You can find my weekly blog, any past episodes of my podcast, as well as info about how to work with me directly. I do have some relationship workshops that will be relaunching right at the beginning of the new year. On my website, there is a link to download my free communication guide. There's also a link in my bio of all of my social media platforms. If you download that guide, not only is it a free way to start working on your communication, you will be the first to know about the workshops when they relaunch. If you do want to join with me on social media, on Facebook, I'm at Lindsay Walden Consulting, on Instagram, at This Is Lindsay Walden, on Pinterest, it's Therapy Thoughts, and on TikTok, it's at This Is Lindsay Walden. Awesome. Wow. You, you laid that out really smooth. I, I, I think out of anybody that I've ever had do their plug, like you were just boom, boom, boom. I, I love it. So one of my favorites, I don't know if you know her, but uh, Michelle, oh, she's going to hate me if I, if I mess up her last name, Dahlbeck. She was, did she's does the mom's moving forward podcast. Ooh, I'm going to have to look her up. I'm not connected. Oh, she's amazing. She's absolutely amazing. She's one of my favorites. And uh, I had her on the show and we had some really good conversation, but you and her did just like such a great layout. So that was awesome. Um, That's awesome. Any, any charity. And work? I will say once I figure Yes, charity work. I knew I left something off. See, I, I, I didn't get it all right. Um, I am always a huge proponent of, it's a local to St. Louis where I'm based, Safe Connections, but they have a national crisis hotline. They work with victims of uh, abuse and neglect, as well as people that have been in sexually traumatic experiences. And I am a huge supporter of them. Not only did I work for them for a short period of time, but I've been able to partner with them for years. So safeconnections.org is a great place to go for that. And I'm always a big supporter of the NAMI organization, the National Alliance for Mental Health. I, I do, or awesome. mental illness, excuse me. I, I really want people to know that there are resources. And if you need more resources, you can always reach out to me. I am more than happy to respond and help get you connected if I can. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that, Lindsay. Really appreciate you. Well, friends. Absolutely. If you love me, if you love this podcast, you know, I don't ask you for much, if anything at all please make sure you are sharing this podcast, downloading, subscribing. We are growing at a rapid pace. And without you guys, I would not be able to do this. And listener support, if you want to even give a dollar, whatever it might be for listener support, it helps ensure that I can continue to bring on great guests to the show. You won't want to miss the first quarter, the first few months of 2021. Bearing that we don't have the end of the world, I am going to have some really fantastic guests. You won't want to miss it. I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. And until next time, stay blessed.